Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis Podcast. On today's episode, we have Dr. Mandy Diaz, and she has a podcast, Behind the Brace. She talks about dealing with the components of scoliosis that we typically don't think of when we're first diagnosed. Um, She came into this journey through her daughter, and she's here to tell us her story of the time her daughter was diagnosed up until the present. So Dr. Mandy Diaz, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, thanks so much. Absolutely, so can you tell us, you mentioned just a little while ago that your daughter was diagnosed when she was two. Um, Can you talk to us about that and tell us how it all came about? Yeah, sure, it was um, a little strange to me because obviously this is my job, I work with people and their spines all of the time and Mm -hmm. Um, when she was learning how to walk and run and play and all of those things, I started noticing some things that she couldn't do, um, which didn't seem like a really big deal. You know, it's more of like, um, she would move a little bit differently or, uh, she has a twin sister. So it was easy to compare, right? Because her twin could do something and she would do it a little bit differently. And it seems just a little bit off. Um, but I remember the one time that it really, hit me is they were both outside playing on the swings and you know how kids swing on the swings on their tummies. Um, my other daughter was on her tummy and could like go out like an airplane and put her arms and leg out, legs out. Okay. Um, and, and Haley couldn't, and I couldn't figure out why she couldn't do that or why mm-hmm. she was struggling with that. Mm-hmm. And just some things kept coming up. And eventually um, I had met with one of my colleagues. You know, we don't always x-ray little kids, um, but we we're like, you know, maybe we just need to shoot a film and see what happens. And I still remember sitting in their office and when the film popped up, I'm looking at her spine and in my head, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. What am I, what are we, what do we do with this? I don't, I didn't even know what to do with it. I was just going to ask you, so did you have any prior knowledge about scoliosis and, or was it, you literally got sucker punched with it? Well, I think it's one of those things you always think like, it's never going to be your kid. Okay. Right. You know, you work with patients, but it's not, it's not something that you think that you're going to have to have this intricate relationship with. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have training and I had training, they go through it, um, in school, but not in the way that is needed when you're managing this day in and day out. It's more of, um, I don't want to say hands off, but it's very much, you know, here's the training. Um, this is how you diagnose it. This is what it looks like. This is when it's surgical. Mm -hmm. So you see this person, you do these things. If it doesn't work, you refer them out. They go have surgery you know, okay. things like that. Okay. Um, just a so, very general ballpark. Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 
very, very baseline. Um, not, they don't give you specifics. They don't um, teach you the intricate protocols of, you know, uh, age ranges. And if you're managing that, like the different nuances of different um, types of scoliosis and how that might apply. Um, it's, it, I just remember it being a very brief period of time in our okay. training. Okay. And when you talk about your training, what was your training originally for? Which part of doctor are you in this profession? So I'm a doctor of chiropractic. So, okay. um, so you complete your undergraduate degree and then you go on and complete your PhD for your doctorate of chiropractic. Okay. So okay. it's um, very neurology spine based. Mm -hmm. um, and so we get, all, it's, there's so much that it's, you get, uh, I almost say it's like a primary care physician, right? That's technically what we are as a primary healthcare physician, where we get training on all of the things, mm -hmm. but it's not as though most people go on to get their specialty training, um, like a, an MD would, like if they're OB or ortho or okay. things like that. Okay. So if you want that training after chiropractic school, you have to go complete it, which is what I have been doing since I realized that my daughter was okay. diagnosed with scoliosis. Okay. Okay. And, and so she was diagnosed and well, how long is that training that you went um, through? So there's a lot of different types of training. So I'm a scoli brace provider right okay. now. Okay. Um, so it was about 10, nine, 10 years ago that I did the training to be able to implement bracing in my okay. clinic. Okay. Um, and so that's a three-dimensional overcorrective brace, which is different than uh, most of the typical braces that people might use through orthopedic doctors. Okay. And how are those, how, how are they constructed? What's the procedure in which you go through or the patient goes through to receive yeah. one? Um, so there, it's similar in the sense of it's the same type of, of material as a hard brace that most okay. people have. Okay. Um, and people are changing their protocols, but instead of doing the casting or sometimes they'll just do measurements where they mark different things and measure and then mm -hmm. input them into a computer. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually done by um, making a 3D image of the patient okay. in multiple different positions. Okay. Um, and then through different technology, they create a three-dimensional overcorrective brace based on that three-dimensional scan. So it's very specific. Okay. And, and so the patient comes in and then you do mm -hmm. the three-dimensional and then how long does it take for the brace to be constructed until the patient can come in? We usually get it in about, you know, three to five weeks. Sometimes okay. the holidays, you know, take, take a little bit longer, but, okay. um, you know, and not everybody needs a brace. So in our clinic, there's a different side of that training that talks about um, what we can do if that patient either um, isn't in that criteria for needing a brace, mm -hmm. but they still have a problem because typically everybody says, well, let's just wait and see, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what usually happens when we wait and see? It gets worse. It gets worse. I know. So that, so that not being the best scenario, um, yeah. when people come in and they're not in that range for needing a brace, we can implement different things. So, um, we have different traction protocols that we can prescribe based on their curve and what they have going on that they do at home. Okay. Um, and that can really help to, you know, first of all, it prevents progression, Mm -hmm. Um, it increases mobility in the spine so that just the nerves stay healthy. Um, and if they're doing it consistently over time and they're within 
you know, that age range where they can get really good results. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen some really great correction with traction alone. So, so what would be some of the things that somebody, and I'm not saying that anybody who is diagnosed should go ahead and try this, but mm-hmm. what would be some of the things that people might, that you would recommend, that you would prescribe for people to try at home when they see you that they can do on their own? Yeah. So it's very specific to the individual. So right. To be able to give specific recommendations, Mm -hmm. obviously you need to be seen by a provider and there are other providers around the United States that do what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and some that are even, you know, more experienced and do a really great job. Um, so there's different resources to find them, but, uh, initially we come in, we look at the x-rays, we look at their functional scans because Mm -hmm. there's two components. There's the structural, like what, what's the spine doing? But then there's that functional piece. How are your nerves functioning? How are your muscles functioning? What's your quality of life? Mm -hmm. Can you do your daily activities? Um, So based on those, we would implement the appropriate things. So um, sometimes that might be that we implement uh, a series of chiropractic adjustments. Okay that's specific to whatever that person might have going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be appropriate for anybody who has a very mild scoliosis to even people who have fusions. It's just that it has to be implemented in the appropriate way. So I always tell people, especially if you have a more severe scoliosis or if you've had surgery, that you make sure you find a provider that's really well trained so that you know you're getting the appropriate care because chiropractic care can be extremely beneficial for everyone. Um, but obviously like anything, if it's done in the improper way by somebody who doesn't know, it could be detrimental. So, um, you have to really vet your providers and make sure you see somebody who's knowledgeable. Um, but that's something we regularly do. Um, and that helps a lot with movement, mobility, um, decreasing in pain, uh, overall function, postural changes, things like that. Okay. Um, if you're in that moderate, um, or even in that lower range, uh, those traction devices can be really helpful because, um, I've seen kids that were diagnosed early, like eight, nine, mm-hmm. um, that we caught them under 20 degrees and through adjustments and traction alone, their curve was completely gone by the time they were 11. This is a story that I've never heard. So thank you for bringing this to the table because it's, it's rare. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so, and to be really clear too, because the research shows that things like chiropractic care alone or physical therapy alone, um, those things alone don't typically change a a true scoliosis. Um, So you have to implement the things that are most important. So whether that's um, the traction or whether that's the 3D bracing, Mm -hmm. wherever they land on that spectrum, those are really key components Um, and early detection is key. Um, But there, there was a case she was, I think she was eight or maybe she was just turning eight and she had a double curve and one was about 13 and one was about 15 degrees. Um, and we saw her regularly, we adjusted her regularly. And the most important was, is that she did, um, traction on both her upper and lower curve consistently. Um, so what that means is a minimum of three times a week. Um, and then we followed up with x-rays and over a period of two years, when we did her last film, Mm -hmm. um, her spine was straight. She had a three degree curve, um, in the lower curve. 
Um, and they have since moved, but uh, they actually had reached out to me not long ago and said that she's still doing well. So that's amazing. Um, it is amazing. So I think the keys are, is, you know, early detection, as everybody knows, you have, the earlier you find it, the more options you have. Um, and then being able to implement the appropriate things. Um, obviously not every story, right? Not every patient I see is that story, um, but it gives us hope. Okay. So, so we kind of jumped off the, the road here, but we're, you just mentioned once again, um, early detection. Yes. So you were talking about your daughter and in the swings, and that was how you noticed it with her. So what happened moving after that with her? Like, Yeah, um, so we had to go through a series of tests. When kids are diagnosed little, um, they need to do MRIs and further neurology um, evaluations to make sure that it's not some underlying condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually has a congenital scoliosis. So essentially okay. she was born with half of a vertebrae than what she's okay. supposed to have. Okay. So that makes it a little bit different than what most people think of when they think of scoliosis. Yeah. Um, so we went through, you know, we saw the orthopedic doctor, we checked a lot of different things out, made sure that there weren't any big underlying conditions. Um, all that takes time. So I, I don't know, I think maybe a year went by. Um, we did have her in a soft brace for a while okay. um, to try to correct her posture and to be able to reduce the curve as much as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, she responded to that okay, but really those braces aren't meant for kids that have congenital curves. Um, so it, it went okay, but it also wasn't necessarily the best option. Um, and we were limited in her case. Um, so after that, uh, we didn't do bracing for a while. Uh, And that's really when I started looking for other options. Um, And I had flown out to Idaho to see some doctors out there. Mm -hmm. Um, They work with the chiropractic biophysics um, chiropractic group. And they assessed her and um, helped me kind of figure out what we needed to do. And that was when they told me that there was a training coming up. And they said, you know, you should you should come out and you should bring her. Mm-hmm. And it was at that training, um, that I met the owner of Scully brace and Scully care. Uh, he had come up from Australia and it was the very first time that he had brought the Scully brace to the United States. Okay. Um, he had developed it, made it. And, um, so I was one of the first 12 clinics in the United States and Canada to have the technology. So we, we then used that brace for her, um, then never having intended on ever implementing that into my practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, well, we'll just buy it and we'll just use it for her. And right. You know, I don't, I don't need to do this in my clinic. Um, <laughs> it's funny how that works. Right. And, and, and yeah, it, it's scoliosis. It's, it's a ride that you just kind of never think about where it's going to take you. Right. I never would have imagined that, you know, 10 years, nine, 10 years later, I'd be sitting here doing what I do. But um, yeah, it's interesting when you start, you know, so I started using that for her and, um, and then pretty soon somebody would be like, Hey, we know you have this, this bracing capability. (laughs) So then I would have somebody else pop in or, you know, so pretty soon there's like three, four, five patients and um, it's not how my clinic was set up at all. Mm-hmm. I was very much uh, prenatal, newborn, baby, like birth-oriented uh, clinic. 
Um, no curves, then, no spinal curves. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> no, no. It's not something I'd be like, oh, I don't, you should probably go see an orthopedic doctor. I would right. say, you know? Right. Um, so it just became this transition where I started realizing and these families would come into me and sometimes after three years of care and, um, just really not feeling heard, not, um, yeah. feeling like they were given options. A lot of them, you know, they had been three or four years and they had never seen a picture of their x-ray. Um, they just, the doctor would tell them like, yep, it's good or no, it's not. And, um, just confusion of their understanding about what was actually going on with them. Yeah. Um, it just was really heartbreaking to me because often like in the early stage of this, um, as I was helping people, there were just really heartbreaking stories because it was like, I was the last resort that they found. And by the time they got to me, it, it was too late. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard it's when, and there, as you said, you have families who come and you're their last resort, and they've never heard of this before. And then you go to Google, which is like heaven and hell, <laughs> and you put in scoliosis, and the worst of the worst come up. Right. Right. And I feel like a lot of times, too, um, it's almost like the conversations become so black and white. So, um, like good and bad, yeah. that there's like right choice, wrong choice you know, good treatment, bad treatment, um, that there's no correlation to real life in these decisions. Uh, and I've found that at, so some of the trainings that I go to, I have found that with doctors that if they don't have experience with it, they're very black and white. And they're yeah. like, well, you, you just make the kid wear the brace. You just make them do it. If I was there, I would just make them do it. Well, tr maybe, but there's a whole lot of life that goes into that. And so I think that that is part of the um, unique approach that we're able to take is that I can sit back and say, okay, clinically, this is what is the best case scenario. However, if this costs you your child's grades in school, if this costs them their entire social life, if it costs you your relationship with your child for the next four years of their high school career, because mom and dad are now constantly the, the battling of the brace. Right. Um, yeah, there, there are other, other things to weigh into that where, you know, if you would have talked to me 10 years ago, like very black and white clinical, right. Right. And wrong, good and bad. Right. Um, so I think that that's where, you know, trying to find that the gray area where you can do what's best for the family as a whole, because everybody is impacted by this diagnosis. Um, yeah. <laughs> and also, and also, <clears throat> also being responsible and saying, okay, you know, these are our options, but if you don't choose these options then you need to choose these options so that you can manage this appropriately yeah. and not everybody's choice is the same and not everybody's choice is right for someone else. And just, and just, I'm going to use the word opportunity, just giving people life opportunities to find what works best. Because as you said, a doctor can say, make them wear the brace, but I'm sorry, I'm coming to you. You're my, you're the professional in this department and you're telling me to wear the brace. And I see you maybe an hour every six months. What about those hours in between? You can't make me do it. Right. And you that's where it's make me do it. Pers yeah, it's a definitely, it's, it has to be a very personal choice 
for everyone. Um, the unfortunate thing is, is that, you know, as, as an adult, I can look at the situation and my entire brain is developed, right? So I can, I can weigh out these scenarios. I make the best choice. Um, we're asking kids that do not have the neurodevelopment to make these decisions, to make adult decisions that they can't even process. Mm -hmm. So there's more to it than that. And, um, I've seen it all across the board, you know? Um, so I, for me, my, my biggest goal in doing this is that, you know, what, what I do, um, I've chosen that because I have researched it. I have looked at all of the things and that this is what I have come across. That is the most researched. Like when we look at this traction, they actually have clinical case studies that have been done. So like legitimate proven studies that show me that it works where sometimes things can work, but they may not work for everybody and they don't have the research to back it, which doesn't mean that they wouldn't work, but I've chosen the things that I do because, because of that. And that's what I implement. And so, um, when people come into my office, my, my goal is, is that, you know, my hope would be is that I never have somebody come to me and say, I wish I would have known something because as a mom, I like, that would be, that's the worst feeling. I've had that happen before. Right. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Where you get somewhere and it's like, dang, if I would have known this, we would have made different decisions. And yeah. so not everybody chooses what we do and not everybody chooses other options. Um, but I lay it all out in front of them because I want them to know, like, these are your options. And if you want to look into this, here's like, here's the people contact them, research it, look at it, make the decision so that you feel comfortable because whether you end up in a surgery or you don't end up in a surgery, how you feel about that is going to be dependent on your process as you experience it. Yeah. yeah and I, I just want to jump on that because that's something that, for instance, in your, on your Instagram posts, you talk a lot about that. And one of the posts is filling in the gap filling the gap in with scoliosis care. And it is so important because there's, as you said, there's so many different components of that and whatever choice people make at the end of the day, you have to be okay with that. And as a family unit, you have to be okay with that because either way you're going to move in a direction and what that direction is should ultimately leave that patient feeling confident. Exactly. And, and um, that's, that's what, that's what so much of what I have seen on your posts on Instagram provide. I never would have known that until I experienced it. Yeah. Um, and I think that we can do, I think we can serve our patients better and families can do better if we know, if we know that, because, you know, it's hard when somebody's in a brace for three, four years and I can look at it. I'm like, the brace is working. It's working. And, um, but they're like, yeah, I want to go to the river with my friends. Like I'm a, I'm a junior in high school. I want to go to the river. I want to be in my swimsuit. I want to be able to, you know, go do things without having this thing on. And, um, I remember at the end of the summer, you know, we took some x-rays and they had gotten worse because she wanted to go have fun with her friends. Right. And then, and then you have that emotional connection with that. And one of the things that we talked about was, is that like, whatever you choose is okay, but not choosing 
is actually choosing. Like, it's okay to just make a decision and to be okay with that. It's that's huge. No, from, (laughs) from a doctor, you know, but it gives, it gives the patient, uh, empowerment. Right. And then leads to self-esteem, which can be taken away with scoliosis. Absolutely. I see this all, I see it all the time. It's, um, I actually, I'm just coordinating um, with some providers that work with kids with mental health um, support because, you know, I've been doing this long enough and I say like, I don't, I do not have enough training to be able to help navigate the emotional components of this. But um, the thing is, is that every family that comes in to see me they all think that they're the only ones that are experiencing this. Yeah. Even though I tell them like every single family that sits in front of me is in the same position. So, you know, they sit in, in front of me and I'm like, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, but I think that that is key is to say, okay, with all of this information, let's prioritize what is most important to us right now Let's do the best that we can with what we have. And even though it might not be exactly what would be a hundred percent, you know, if we need to salvage this piece of our family relationship until we work it out, then maybe right now that's most important. And we come back around to it. Um, You know, the unfortunate part is, is that what I have found, and you can probably uh, weigh in on this too, is um, when I bring up the conversation of finding somebody to talk to, um, of being like, Hey, you know what, maybe it'd be a good idea to find somebody to talk to, to process through this. It's usually met with resistance for me, not having had that experience. Mm -hmm. I remember that initial, um, like I knew things from school, from training, but I remember that initial diagnosis just being really, um, foreign, really, um, scary of not knowing, yeah, you know, what is, what is going to happen? What is this going to look like? Is this going to be okay? Is she going to need surgery? Um, not knowing what she was going through, or I think that's the hardest thing for me. And I would say that, um, even the patients that I work with that if, if they have history in their family, mm-hmm. um, they seem to navigate it better <laughs> because they, they can relate, I think is really helpful for people um, to be able to connect with other people that have these experiences. Yeah. Well, I, I just, kudos to you in, in, in uh, passing the torch, you know, to, to your patients who are like, who need that information, who feel that they're kind of at a loss because when you give, you're, you're doing this from my perspective and what I'm hearing, you're doing this in a way to feed your soul, to give your passion to your patients and give them empowerment. And that is not always the case. And so I just want to take a moment and say, yay, (laughs) (laughs) yay, because it's so refreshing to hear because it's not always the case. And as you said before, you know, people, you know, professionals say, give the, uh, the statement, wait and see. And then the curves get cursed and then it's, you need surgery. And it's like, but that's not the case. You can't, you can't throw that at somebody when it's a wait and see diagnosis. Right. Um, Yes. The the whole, the wait and see is, I just, 
that's not how my personality. (laughs) So we were told that wait and see, just wait and see what we're just going to sit on this until it gets bad enough. Um, and that just wasn't a good enough option for me. Um, you know, I think that, I think that there are ways and there's a lot of different ways, right? So we talk about, like, we talk about shroff, we talk about PT and chiropractic care and braces, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we implement a specific type of traction. And I think that there are a lot of different ways to be proactive in it. You know, there's a huge population that's in this mid range. And I am like, I'm really passionate about that. It's so hard for me to be like at 16, you're given that death sentence of this is how life is for the next whatever, the rest 50, of your life. Yeah. 60 years, yeah, only to get worse. And, and that's, that's uh, I mentioned in the beginning, you have a podcast and, and many mm-hmm. of your posts on Instagram deal with these specific things of how to find empowerment, how to, how to keep your self-esteem when you might feel like it's been stripped away from you with this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, um, it's refreshing because you are a professional in the health field of, of being a chiropractor and now developing it into scoliosis and, and just promoting the, the positive or the realistic aspects of what comes with scoliosis that is not always talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about your podcast with us and, and what you bring to the table on that? Yeah. Um, I never would have had a podcast. (laughs) Sometimes I, I look back and it makes me laugh because, um, this is just not how I envisioned it. Um, but, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago. And, um, when patients come in, you know, we're visiting, we're we're talking about different things. And, um, we were, I was standing in my uh, waiting room with a family. And we were talking about some things and, you know, I'm, I was going over the same things and I find that I, I'm, I go over the same things over and over again. And they're, they were talking about a different family. And, um, one of my other patients was sitting there, I think, and she's like, you know, you should really do, you should really do, do a podcast. And just, she's like, you just put it out there and then everybody can, everybody can listen to it and everybody can hear it. I was like, no, uh, Mandy came on to help me and, uh, she was like, Oh, Hey, we can do this for you. I was like, no, we're not going to do this, (laughs) but we jumped on there. And, um, it's so helpful because kind of came to a point where I was like, we just, we just need to get the information out because I'm sitting here all day saying the same. And we're in a rural community where we live. So, you know, the closest place to even go see somebody who is a specialist is 200 miles away. Um, so if you're going to go, Uh, we're in North Dakota, but like, if you're going to go to a bigger, like Mayo clinic or university of Minnesota, it's like 400 and some miles to get there. Wow. Um, so people in our area aren't being connected with the best resources because they're not there. Um, so we just jumped on and I was like, okay, we're just going to, so I'm just going to take things from my clinic, whatever we talk about in my clinic that keeps coming up, we're going to throw it on the podcast. So we try to make it like real life, realistic things that come up, you know, in a timely in where patients are and, um, you know, talking about different seasons, even summer and graduation and transitioning to college. And, you know, you go from all of this pediatric care, uh, when you're under the age of 18 and then you're like, Oh, you're an adult. See you later. Yep. 
Um, it's just funny that where I live, there's nobody. So I'm the only person in North Dakota, South Dakota. There's one in uh, Minneapolis that I refer to. So wow. there's nobody around where I am, where in some of these other places, there might be multiple doctors that do similar things as what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so good because I can put out the information and say, okay, so like you can go to um, idealspine.com and go to find a provider, type in your person and it'll show you somebody who's within 200 miles or like you can go to scoliabrace.com and say find a clinic and you're going to be able to find somebody that can make it and build a scoliabrace for you um so that's what's exciting for me because if somebody's you know sister's cousin's baby you know if something comes up they you know they can be like hey here's this podcast and listen to it and then go to these platforms to find resources that are local to them Share with us, please, what is, I said it in the beginning, but it's your podcast, so I'm going to ask you to give the name of it and where people can find you if they have questions about your podcast, about seeing you, about a referral, Mm -hmm. about all of it. Yeah, so um, we have a a website dedicated just to the podcast. It's behindthebrace.com, so essentially just the story behind why uh, I do what I do and all of the information regarding that. So if you go to behindthebrace.com, you can pull that up, pull up all of our podcasts. We're on um, iTunes and Spotify, so you can listen to them there. Um, We can, we're on Facebook, so you can find our Facebook page. It's uh, Behind the Brace. Uh, There's a link on there to our clinic page, but however you reach out through Facebook, through the website, um, it comes to us. So if you have a specific question, you can just send a message and regardless of where you're at, we can pull up our um, provider referrals um, and see if we can connect you. Um, If there's not anybody, um, we do consults over the phone too, where people will just send their films over um, and see you know, so we can take a look at them and just help direct them to what might be, be necessary. Um, we even do that for providers too. So I don't know if, you know, if you've got, if they're a provider, whether regardless of what type of provider you are, if you're listening, um, I've oftentimes had other providers were like, Hey, I have this patient. I don't know what to do with this. They shoot me the x-rays and I can just take a brief look at them and say, okay, here's like the top three people around you. And I would okay. coordinate with them. Um, so that is really helpful also because, um, that's huge. Yeah. And you know what, I, I, I should throw this in there. Um, I think the mo- the best thing we can do for our patients, regardless of whether you're PT, massage therapist, chiropractor, doesn't matter what you do. Um, I find that oftentimes people don't like to admit that they may be out of their scope of expertise. Um, and I have been so amazed by the other providers that have reached out to me and just said, Hey, Mandy, what, uh, what can I do here? I have this patient. I don't know what to do with them and I can help direct them, but for them to be able to be like, how can I do my best for my patient? Even though I don't know what to do with this is so amazing. So we're there for that resource too, because, um, it might not be me. It might be like, Oh, Hey, you need to go see, see, get a surgical opinion, but it's refreshing to hear that because it's not about that person it's about the patient and giving that person the best care that they need right and it saves oh my goodness I can't tell you how many doctors we hopped to right it's like you go to this doctor and that doctor and this doctor and that doctor and you just end up running circles when 
looking back, it's like now knowing what I know, yeah. like, oh, we could have saved 10 steps in there. And, um, and the loss of time. And money. Yeah. And then the emotional component that yeah. is embedded right? in there as well. It's, right. Yeah. It's um, so the more direct we can be, I mean, I think, I think that that is my goal here is regardless of if it's us, because sometimes it's not us, that is the person that needs to help them. Mm-hmm. But regardless of if it's us to be able to connect with one person that has the ability to crowdsource all the resources to say, okay, this is where you need to go. So you don't have to take those 15 steps. And I'm going to leave it at that. So on that note, I would personally like to thank Dr. Mandy Diaz for being a guest on the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. If anybody has any questions for her, please feel free to reach out to her. She is also on Instagram. Uh, She has a Facebook group and she has the podcast behindthebrace.com. Dr. Diaz, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.